Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and it's actually afternoon here. It's uh, 1 p.m. Central uh, here in Florida, where I'm located in the uh, northwest part of uh, Florida, uh, in Panama City Beach, and uh, it's about 7 p.m., uh, over in Scotland, which is where my uh, special guest is calling in this morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. I'll introduce him here in just a second. But a couple of quick announcements. Um, first off, uh, our normal scheduled show, uh, Thursday evenings from 6 to 8, which would be tomorrow night. Uh, we're not going to have a show tomorrow. Uh, this one is in, in lieu of it. Um, so we won't be doing a, a show uh, this week uh, other than today's uh, on Golf Talk Live. But next week we will be uh, picking up our, our regular Thursday night schedule from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, another couple of uh, announcements here um, on both shows, the Women of Golf, which, of course, airs every Tuesday uh, mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, the last show of the 2021 season will be December 14th. That'll be the last show of the year as we uh, get ready to take a break for the holidays uh, and won't be starting back up in 2022 until... February 8th. So we're going to have an extended break, uh, partially to, to give my, uh, my speaking chops a little bit of a rest and, and your ears, I'm sure. Um, but uh, normally I take that extended time off just to uh, get prepared for next season, getting some guests lined up in that to, to get the season off to a good start. So um, last show will be December 14th uh, of this year and uh, for the Women of Golf, and February 8th will be the first show of 2022 for the women of golf and golf talk live uh again uh december 16th will be the last show of this year and february 10th will be uh the first show of uh 2022 so uh take note of those dates uh, we got a few more shows left here of the season and then we'll be taking a break and then we'll be firing back up in february and just one other note on golf talk live um, the Coach's Corner panel segment will not begin until early March, uh, which is normal. So it'll be just uh, some general light interviews to kind of get the season off to a good start. And then we'll bring in the full schedule uh, sometime, I believe, the first Thursday in March, uh, which will include the Coach's Corner panel to start things off. So I hope you'll uh, tune back in, but continue to listen to the rest of the season. And if you've missed any episodes, uh, the best way to find us, uh, we're all over uh, the internet on a number of different uh, uh, platforms, but uh, the easiest way to find is go to blogtalkradio.com and either type in Golf Talk Live or Women of Golf, depending on which show or both, 
and uh, you will see our archive section. So you can just go there to the uh, individual pages respectively, Women of Golf or Golf Talk Live. Scroll down to the on-demand section, and you'll see all of the previously aired shows, uh, including today's, will be there at the end. Uh, so you can listen to them in case you missed any along the way. Um, but I'm glad you guys joined us for this special encore presentation of Golf Talk Live. And I'm very honored to have joined me this morning or this afternoon here, uh, evening there, uh, Gavin Deer. He is the uh, commercial director for ShotScope. Uh, his main focus is global sales and marketing. Uh, formerly, he was a uh, professional golfer for roughly about five years, playing primarily on the European Challenge Tour. As an amateur uh, golfer, he represented Great Britain and Ireland at the 2009 Walker Cup, won the 2008 World Amateur Championship and the 2009 European Amateur Championship with Scotland, uh, reached a World Amateur Golf Ranking High of 10th in 2009, and attended the Sterling University in Scotland and Lynn University here in Florida. Please welcome my very special guest, Gavin Deer. Welcome, Gavin, to the show. Hey, Ted. No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for joining me. And uh, as I mentioned, it's evening there. It's, I think, what, about 7 o'clock your time? Yeah, 7 o'clock. Um, nights are drawing in, so it's, it's pitch dark outside. So, yeah, it's getting, <laughs> getting cold as well, a bit wet today. You know, typical Scottish yeah. weather for the winter. <laughs> right. Uh, seasons are beginning to change. We're getting a little cooler temperature here as well in Florida, even, even though it's typically, I know you're familiar with Florida, uh, I'm up in the northwest, so it's not quite Miami weather, but um, we're uh, we're still a little bit warmer than you are, I'm sure, but uh, we're getting into the season changes as well. Uh, again, uh, Gavin, thank you for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And before we get into talking specifically about shot scope and some of the different products and that, I thought maybe we would, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I read out a little bit of your uh, bio, um, but I know there's some other things that maybe you'd like to share. Give us an idea, just a little bit more of your golfing career. First off, when did you... Uh, first sort of take up the game and who introduced you and and maybe you can lead us up to um, what made you decide to become a professional golf sure um yeah uh, an interesting sort of youth in golf i would say so um bizarrely my mum's side of the family comes from carnoustie so obviously everybody knows carnoustie and my grandfather um was heavily involved with Carnoustie Golf Club. However, I didn't start playing golf until I was 12, primarily because my dad was involved in fish farming and we lived on the West Coast. It's it's wet. It's not where a lot of the golf courses are. And um, so I started playing golf when I was 12. I was incredibly fortunate that at my golf club, there were a lot of sort of older members who were keen to see young young golfers progress, but also a, a core of about five or six of us all around the same age who had a bit of talent and, and could play. And we kind of propelled each other forward. Um, and when I, when I got, uh, oh goodness, when I was 16, I, I managed to get down to scratch and started playing in competitions. Um, didn't do very well. <laughs> to be honest, um, but I, I'd go and participate and play, and, and I and to be honest, I, I got incredibly fortunate with. I played in the Scottish Men's Amateur with a former Lynn University student, and it just so happened that our coach um, was coming across to Scotland, and he was going to meet him next week, 
and one thing led to another and quite quickly I had a scholarship offer and the opportunity to go out to Lynn. Um, as you'll know, living in Florida, okay, Boca's a lot further south, but a bit of a change to Scotland, <laughs> you know, grass, um, weather, <laughs> course type, you know, so quite quite a culture shock. Um, but at, at Lynn, again, we when I turned up, we had four new freshmen that year. Um, I we actually had another Scot from Carnoustie who I I was good friends with. He came across to Lynn as well, and we we became good friends as a team, but also a good team. And and it college golf changed my game. I mean, I went from hitting it low um, to hitting it extremely high. You obviously got all the time in the world to practice your short game to learn how to play, you know, guys hit it so much further than me. After four years, I mean, I, I hit it as far as anybody, and and you're just a different golfer, right? Mm. Um, right. And, and, and we, played, we played great golf. We were ranked number one in Division Two for a long time. We went to Nationals every year. We I think the best we did was third at Nationals. But we, we were a good team and lots of great experiences and traveled around the U.S., and you know, just just brilliant, and 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 I'm the biggest advocate for U.S. college golf. Whenever I'm talking to juniors here, if they if they want to take their golf to the next level, that's that's the place they need to go and be. Um, and then after that, I, I came home, and it, it was kind of a case of not quite good enough where where I wanted to be as a golfer, but let's get a little bit of time. So I enrolled at Stirling University, did a master's there. Um, that just, it gave me a bit of structure that I could play full time, but also study. It's not the same type of system as in the US. Um, and I started to get ingrained into the Scotland team and play large events. And um, throughout that time, re- really learned how, how to play competitions at a serious level and and competing and then things started to take off for me and I was into the Scotland team um, started to win Scottish competitions we went down to Australia we won uh, the World Amateur Team Championship um, by 11 shots from the US team which contained Ricky Fowler Jamie Lovemark and Billy Horschel mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and then in 2009 I, I came across back to Florida, won the Dixie Amateur, um, which is a, a big amateur event at Heron Bay. Um, I won numerous events in Scotland. I won the Irish Amateur Stroke Play, won the European Team Championship with Scotland, and played in the Walker Cup at Marion in 2009. Um, all fantastic experiences, and that kind of leads you to the state of, you know, as you said, I was ranked 10th in the world for as an amateur. And the the next logical step is to go and play professionally. Um, and it's and it's a little bit. I don't. Well, it, it's probably tougher than the US. I think. Uh, you know, the US has got a great ecosystem. As a young professional golfer, you want to set yourself up in Florida, or you want to set yourself up as in Arizona or California. Play many tours. There, there's lots of events. They're on great courses. 
Um, you can Monday qualify, whereas there's not as much set up here. So, you, you know, playing on, I got myself onto the European Challenge Tour, but we're, we're playing events in Kenya, Colombia, Morocco, right. Kazakhstan, Russia. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> not not the easiest to get to from Scotland, and right. and and so, so there's quite a lot of expense in that. And and to be honest, I played there for just over four years. I, my top finish was seventh on the tour, and I couldn't get myself up to European tour. And I just got to a point where my progress stopped. Um, right. And. And at that stage, you know, you're looking around, and I was sort of 28 at the time, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm young enough, I can go and do something else and be successful, or I need to go and I'm going to have to spend 12 years here, and and what's going to change that's going to get me to the European Tour? Um, and so I just decided, okay, let's let's go and do something else, really. Um, yeah. Which, in, in hindsight, you know, it's been a great decision, and, and I'm sure you'll talk to numerous professionals and young professionals, and it's, you know, outside the glamour of the PGA Tour and, and the top half of the European Tour, it's a pretty tough existence. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and and you know, just to, on, on a side note, you know, I think a lot of people that are drawn to the game you know, have visions of, of battling it out there. You know, when I was growing up, of course, Nicholas and Palmer and Trevino and some of those uh, players here in the United States um, were still, uh, you know, in their prime. And, you know, you, you have visions of, boy, I would love to be out there battling it out with them. But you're exactly right in something that you said, Gavin, and that is, you know, here in the United States, they do have a formula that has proven to be very, very successful. If you've if you've got the ambition, if you've got the drive and the willingness, and obviously you've got to have a, a pretty decent golf game, you can get into the playing the game much easier than you can other areas around the world at a lower level and work your way up. And I think that's why you see so many accomplished young players coming in from uh, the UK, Scotland, uh, you know, Asia, you know, Korea, that sort of thing. Uh, coming here to the United States and going through the call uh, the collegiate system, playing on collegiate teams, uh, working with some of the best coaches in the world here in Florida, Arizona, and California, as I mentioned, um, because there is an opportunity and it is a different game. Uh, you know, you pointed out very early on about how you know you were accustomed to hitting a much lower ball flight, hitting it lower. Uh, to play, and when you come over here, it's kind of the opposite. We go the other way. We're going up higher, and, and uh, you know, that's kind of how Nicholas played his game was. Um, and, you know, that's why for a long time the U.S. dominated here uh, in the United States is not just by volume of players, but just playing uh, a, a game that was different than what many Europeans were. Um, unfortunately for the Americans, uh, you guys have turned the tides there in the Ryder Cup, and have uh, you know sort of learned the, the secret over here in the United States, and have, for lack of better words, putting a shellacking to Team USA for uh, for a number of years. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it is definitely a much different beast over here than it is there. Um, it's easier to get around the United States uh, than having to go to a lot of the different um, uh, venues that you mentioned in your travels. A lot less expensive, 
and the opportunities are, are far greater over here. And I think that's why they draw such a, a big lineup of international players. Um, so once you made that switch and decided that, you know what, uh, I love playing this game, but it's just not maybe in my wheelhouse. I need to find somewhere else. You obviously, uh, as you mentioned, you went and got business degrees and things like that. How did you become involved? And give us a little bit of the history of ShotScope uh, and how you became involved with them. Yeah, so, I, I mean, w- once I kind of finished playing the game, I... I didn't see I didn't see a future for me within the golf industry, so it, it was really a case of let's go and reskill a bit, and that and that took place by um, I managed to talk my way onto a, um, a sort of charity foundation in Scotland that takes young people and and, and sends them over to the US to Babson College for an entrepreneurial course, and, and so I, I was on that course and. Um, Bizarrely, my roommate, um, who I was staying with from Edinburgh, because um, it's it 20 Scots, so you're staying with other Scots, his wife was at an event and in Edinburgh, and, and she listened to um, David, our founder, who was kind of a one-man band with ShotScope with an idea and a piece of paper, um, kind of pitch the concept of shot scope and performance tracking and how, how we could collect data. And she went up to him and said, well, that's really interesting, but you're going to need, you're going to need somebody who knows the golf industry and knows, has connections and, and knows everybody. And he said, yeah. And she said, well, I, I know who that is. And a week later, David and I had a, a Skype call and a chat and, and I'm going, right, I really didn't want to be involved in golf. But I quite right. like this concept, <laughs> and uh, well, I, and and even to this day, you know, I I I play I play a bit of golf, and I've played more than this year than I have in previous years, and you know, I still play a good level. But it's uh, I I must be one of the only guys in the golf industry. Oh, I really can't be bothered playing golf. I don't want to play golf. <laughs> An opportunity's obviously come my way, and I said, Ah, no, I. I Guys, I don't want to go and play Kings Barnes. I've done that. It's fine. And so David sort of always smiles and goes, you know, it's a golf industry person that just can't be bothered playing golf. So um, (laughs) when when we started um, ShotScope, it was very much three of us in a tiny office, typical what you Mm -hmm. would consider a startup Mm -hmm. or young company. And, okay, let's, how are we we going to build it? And, And, as you said, I'm commercial director, so my main remit is sales and marketing. But at that time, there was nothing to sell or market. So mm-hmm. it was okay. I, you know, mm-hmm. I'll use my information systems degree and my golf knowledge, and, I, and I'll work on the performance dashboard and how are we going to show data and what are we going to do and, and how, how would that look and how would, the, how would the user experience be on a golf course? So it's... Uh, it's been, a, you know, we've been on the go for six years. It's been fascinating to see how the company changed over time. We've now got a team of 20. And 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 even then, you know, you, you still, back in the day when we first launched our, our V1, it was Sunday night, right? We've had 150 rounds in this weekend. 
and I'd look through every round to see how we'd process the data and could we improve. You know, and, and now it's a case of you couldn't do that on a day's rounds. There's too many. So it's it's fascinating experience to be right at the start of a company and watch it grow. And and just some interesting, and I know you'll provide some, some other data insights and stats and that a little bit later on, but just to give the folks that are tuning into the show a little bit of an idea, you guys have recorded more than 2 million rounds of golf and which encompasses about 140 plus million shots. So that's a lot of data, a lot of information. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously that's over, over a period of time, but going to your point, yeah, you don't want to be, you know, manually having to go through <laughs> and research all of the data and, and so forth. So, yeah, you had to get that, that process lined up very early on uh, in the company's history um, so that you had everything the way you wanted it um, and, and providing the, the feedback to, to a lot of the golfers and that, um, that you do now. So, um, so once you got that sort of situated, obviously you began, you mentioned the V1 uh, was the earlier product. You've got other products now um, that have rolled out. And I'm just going to name a, a few of them and then we'll talk specifically about what they are. So there's a couple of watches, which is very popular right now. We're seeing that uh, in the industry, everybody wants to have that uh, data available and in the, on the wrist, uh, you've got the V1 and the, or sorry, the V3 and the G3 are your current product lineup. And then you also have a uh, range finder, the pro L1. So give us an idea. Tell us a little bit about the difference between all three. Uh, two of them are watches of course, and one is the range finder. So start with the pro L1 first and then the V3 or the G3 and then the V3. Sure. Yeah. So the pro L1, um, and this this was born this was really born out of the fact that you know we know golfers we started having some of our users coming to us asking for advice on laser rangefinders and effectively could we build one um, so the Pro L1 is a under two hundred dollar rangefinder does what it says on the tin um, mm -hmm. as hard wearing as you could imagine. And, and effectively, I, I looked and said, right, what would I like in a rangefinder? So we've got target lock vibration, slope on and off. The main one that we have that separates us, especially at that price point, is that we have the option for red or black optic display. And many of your listeners will be going, okay, what, what, what does that do for me? So... <laughs> 99% of rangefinders have a black display, and black mm -hmm. is absolutely fine. But during dawn and dusk, black becomes incredibly hard to read against a slightly darker background. Or if you play mm -hmm. in a, courses that are severely tree-lined, black is really hard to pick out. So yep. the technology of ch being able to change it to red it's just a much brighter display. You can see the numbers more clearly. You can see the slope effect more clearly. And so it's just a, it's a much better user experience. Yeah, and, 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 you know, and that's important because I know I've used rangefinders before, and you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, black certainly works fine for the most part, but as you start to get... Uh, a little bit later on in, in the evening, or early evening, obviously, or dusk, as you say, 
um, it, it does become a little harder. Or sometimes if you get a lot of shadowing, depending on where the sun is located, uh, especially if you're trying to get the pin and you've got a lot of shadowing or, or a lot of trees surrounding that, that particular hole, uh, sometimes it can it can get blended in with that. So yeah, it can be very very difficult. So I can see where that would be uh, a benefit. So what about the the let, let's talk about the watches for a second. Um, again, this is something that we're seeing a lot of. Uh, you've got the G3 uh, GPS golf watch and then the V3. Tell us first off uh, about the G3 and what some of the differences that uh, the folks would find in the V3. Yeah. So. I mean, what we are seeing, especially in North America, is huge growth in watches. Huge, you know, a lot of golfers, every, well, effectively every golfer needs a distance device. And the simplest one to use is a golf GPS watch. And G3 is a simple to use, no frills GPS watch. It comes in four different colors. So black, red, gray, and teal. And it has a color screen. It's going to show you the distances to the front, middle, and back of the green. It's going to show you the distances to and to carry hazards. It's got every course stored on, on it. You can work it in yards or meters. And it's just going to do, do what it needs to do. It's going to log on quickly, capture GPS very quickly, show you the distances, move hole on its own. And it's always there on your wrist, so it's really simple to find the distances that you need to play your next shot. What we then did was our main technology has always been performance tracking. So the, dif the difference between the G3 and the V3 is performance tracking. So we have technology embedded in the straps that... Talks to a little tag that you put on the end of your grip during your swing. So if you're standing in the first hole at your local course swinging a driver, the V3 will know that, captures the position of your shot, and links it up to your next shot and your next shot and so so forth. So the V3 is a GPS watch and a performance tracker in one. So comes in at a higher price point than the G3. You know, you're, you're generally looking 50, 60 bucks more than the G3. It's going to give you all your GPS distances, but it's also going to give performance tracking as well. Yeah, and, and I want to ask you about that because, you know, somebody might be saying, well, okay, you know, it's nice to have that. Um, what are some of the reasons, though, that a golfer really should have that performance track? Uh, and, and how is it going to help their basic improvement and understanding of their game? How long do you have, Ted? I mean, we could be here for weeks. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I firmly believe that in five years' time, every single golfer will track their game. And you've seen it in things like running. So invariably, right. anybody that's listened to you that runs will capture how far they've ran, how quickly they ran, minutes per mile, heart rate, could be suffer, whatever it is. And they'll track that. And they're tracking that to see improved performance. I went to the gym for four weeks. Did I run quicker? I ate better. Did I right. run quicker? And it's the same with golf. So, you know, what we see out in the market is golfers playing two, three times a week, 
And what's the, what's the aim? The aim is either to lower your handicap or right. to beat your friends. I, I, I don't see many games of golf that don't involve one of those two things. Right. So, so, the, so, so the game's all about improvement, right? Right, especially the latter. And, <laughs> you want to be yeah, your friend. And, and, well, that's it. So when you start talking about, okay, the game's about improvement. So what, what does improvement look like? You bought a new driver. You spent mm-hmm. 500 bucks on a driver. Did it improve your game? Right. How, how do you tell if you're not, if you're not performance tracking? Mm-hmm. If you buy a yep. new putter, does it improve your putting? <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, it just keeps going. Oh, I'm thinking of adding a hybrid in. I saw it on a TV commercial. Okay. Right. What is the gapping? Should you get a four hybrid or five hybrid? What's going to fit in? So performance tracking arms you with all that information, but it also informs you of the individual insights into your game of breaking it down into putting, short game, approach play, wedge play, recovery play, tee shots. And we can start to benchmark you against other golfers of a similar handicap and say, what do you do well? Right, that's right. great. Ted, you right. drive the ball brilliantly. Excellent. But why are you playing off 10? Because your approach play is poor. So now yep. we can focus in and say, okay, your approach play is poor between 150 to 225. Is it a club issue? Is it a technical issue? Is it, you know, you've got a trend, you hit more shots to the right, you should aim at the left side of the fairway. So we can really hone in and give you manageable insights that will improve your game. And that's the key. It's making it manageable and, and, and direct insights that will help you improve your game. Well, and, and and some great points. Um, and and you know, Gavin, realistically, I'm a, a, a golf coach, a teacher professional, have been for 25 plus years. So, one of the the pet peeves as someone in my position that we have with many of our students is that you know they they're not always making good use of their time. For instance, I'll give you an example. They come you know this week for a lesson. It may be in some case, depending on on the frequency, it might be two weeks before they come and see me again. So I want to get an idea of what's been going on. Have they been playing? And if they're playing, what have been some of the, the uh, results that they're getting? And, you know, no matter how much in the past we've said, okay, you know, keep track of your, how many putts you're making around, keep track of this, how many fairways, you know, greens and regulation, that sort of thing, they're just not consistent. So really this sort of helps out the, la- the lazy golfers, as I call them, to be able to hit some of those numbers uh, and record that information so that when, pardon me, when they come back, I can say, okay, how many rounds did you play? You played three rounds. Let's take a look at some of the data that's been recorded. And it helps me as an instructor, uh, particularly, to be able to isolate and pinpoint their, those weak areas. And as you just pointed out, you know, if their equipment is not fitted properly, if they're missing uh, you know, clubs that, that would better suit them than what they've got, because a lot of people just go out to buy what's on the rack. They think that's what they've got to do. I've got 14 clubs in the bag. I'm good to go. But maybe two or three of those clubs are not serving them well, and they'd be better to, as you say, maybe throw a, a three or four hybrid or five hybrid in there um, or whatever the case may be. And it also helps them keep track uh, of their information for themselves so they can see, oh, yeah, okay, you know what? My short game's not really very good. I'm hitting pretty good off the tee. 
but I'm not hitting very many greens. So there's a lot of information coming back. So I, I fully understand, and I know you do, the, the benefits of this. And I think you're right. I think probably maybe even less than five years, we're going to see most, if not all, golfers uh, adopting this type of technology because it, it, it's a no-brainer. It's going to help them in the long run. If you truly want to improve and become a better player, you've got to know the numbers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, and and to your point, I mean, there's there's elements. So obviously, as you can, you, you'll imagine that most golfers have issues with bunker play, and we're yes. the first to go and say, "Hey, your weak point is your bunker play." Now, there's two mm-hmm. sides of this. Try and avoid them, but that's not possible. That is a highly technical part of the game. Go and see your P- your local PJ Pro. So we're able to just do that because that you know we ca- we can't help improve golfers when it comes to technical. That's not our role. We don't know that. I don't see swings. We just simply look right. at the data. But mm-hmm. there's other guys that we you know we we working with and we do a lot of in depth case studies, especially with our users and. And some golfers are going, well, hey, I don't practice. That's fine. No problems. Um, I warm up a little bit. I really, you know, you can see from their data they struggle in the greens. I three-putt a lot. Okay. Well, 10 minutes, your 10-minute warm-up, when you go into the putting green, go and roll the putts 30, 40 feet. Practice on getting them closer to the green. Just do that. And you can see an improvement in their data over the subsequent rounds. Instead of you know, what they would do beforehand was sort of throw five balls down six feet from the hole, miss them all, and go to the first yep. tee. And you go, right. now, now you're getting a bit of speed, speed of the greens. At least, at least you're doing something in your small window of practice. You're doing something that's going to help your game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. It's, it's fascinating where our golfers improve, how they improve. And, and like you said, there's other elements to the systems whereby you can compete on data with your friends. You can set up fantasy football type leagues. You can, yep. it records all your rounds, gives you overheads of every shot. So if you're on a, if you're over in Scotland playing some of the great courses here, you've forever got a record of how you played and how you played all these famous holes. You can always go back mm-hmm. in and see them and you collect medals for playing Ryder Cup courses or U.S. Open courses or whatever it may be. So there's so much more to the systems than just data. But, but the, surround, you know, the purpose of ShotScope is to help you improve your golf, and, that, and, and we do that really well. Yeah, and, and you know, I, again, I can't emphasize enough for, for the listeners out there. I mean, in today's game, you know, there, there's only so much a golf coach can do. Um, we rely in, in, in the current model of today's game on a lot of this information. Um, you know, we can get you swing well, we can get you hitting the ball pretty good, but we're not there when you're actually playing out on the golf course for real. And so a lot of times when we're, we've got you on the practice tee or we've got you working out on the putting green or what have you, you know, we can give you some great feedback at that time. Uh, you know, in that 30-minute or maybe even an hour-long lesson. But then once you leave our uh, good graces, you're on your own. And, you know, so a lot of times, you know, having access to this type of information uh, 
uh, again, is valuable. It, it, can, it actually can curtail how you are going to practice from here on out. So again, if, as you suggest, if, if your putting uh, is not very good, that doesn't mean you have to go out and spend an hour on the putting green. But if, if your putting is what's hurting your game, then you owe it to yourself to work on that area of the game a little bit more than maybe something else. You know, one of the biggest things, Gavin, that we see as, as you know, teach professionals, and I, I know you've, I'm sure, seen it many times yourself, um, you know, we get golfers going out to the driving range and they're just dropping a bucket of balls. They're raking one over, hitting it, raking another one over. And that's all they're, yeah, I mean, that, it's become a joke in the industry, yep. is, you know, the rake and hit. And, you know, and even, you know, here's the thing too. The technology that you're putting out there is actually very easy to use. It's much easier than what people realize. So even for some of our more seasoned golfers, some of our older golfers that, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond can take advantage of this technology and get information and can still improve their game even that late uh, in, in life, um, you know, especially in the, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, so there's a lot for, of room. For sure. for, oh. Right. And you, but you've got to have, mean, you've got to have, no, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, to, to that, Ted, I was going to say that our average age of our users is 53, and yep. our oldest user at the moment is 96. So, I, I mean, you're, you're spot on. And, and on, on how easy it is to use, you put the tags in your clubs. There's no batteries in there, so they stay in there permanently. You switch the watch on, you put it into track mode, and you play your game. That's all you do. At the end of each hole, you're going to click a button, and that's effectively when you get your ball out the hole. It tells you it tells the system where the hole was located that day, and that's all you do. After the round, you upload it to the app or to the web dashboard, and all your data is there. It's it's it doesn't slow down the game. It's as simple as as you could ever imagine. And, and a lot of pe- you're right. A lot of people think about data and think, oh no. I'm going to sit in front of a computer. I'm going to have to put it in a spreadsheet. I'm going to have to remember what I did. It's it's none yep. of that. The technology's moved on, um, mm-hmm. so you're getting all of the upside without the sort of pain of 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 the. You know, we re, we all remember the golfer with a scorecard for his score and then a second yep. card for his stats, and he's writing it all out. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> Well, and and that goes very well to the point, you know, that you just stated, and, and that is really what a lot of golfers, especially some of our older golfers, think about. They think, oh God, I got to write down all this information, and you basically eliminated that step by providing it through technology. And that's one of the beauties of technology is you've taken all of that that hard labor, if you will, uh, and you're gathering that information, providing it at, you know, in in a very easy to read and very easy to understand and view. Uh, the imagery is very good too. I mean, I look at some of the screenshots and that that uh, on your website. We'll give that a little bit later. But um, with some of the uh, images that they're going to see, whether it be on their app uh, or on a dashboard, as you said, if they're using a laptop or computer at home. Um, but all the information's there. It's got some great graphs and that that gives them that information uh, very neatly compiled and and put in a way that uh, is going to be very easy for them to understand. So they can get out and enjoy their game. They don't have to sit and think about it. How many putts did I make this time? The, the technology is going to do it for them, so they can just relax and focus on having fun with their friends, their mates, and just you know having a good day of it. And then they can sit and look at the numbers. And also too, um, you know they can share that information 
you know, again, whether they're connected with other groups um, or with their swing coach, if they've got somebody, they can share that information yeah. with them um, so that that he or she is going to be more informed the next time they head to the lesson tee. So um, I, I think it's very, very good. I think it's very easy to understand why it, it's important to golfers that they understand all aspects of their game and not just how to swing the golf club. Now, you talked about, you mentioned handicap uh, and benchmarking and strokes gained, that sort of thing. There's a lot of different things. Um, maybe explain a little bit about what you mean by that and why that also is important to uh, to our golfers. Sure, yeah. So on on the system, I mean, obviously the, the, the easiest way to understand how your performance is to know against your peers. So mm-hmm. how we do that with ShotScope is we break it down to handicap benchmarking. So 0, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And we will give you what the average golfer at that handicap level does. So it may be putts per round. So quite a simple statistic. Well, a 10 handicapper would average 31 putts per round. They'd average 14.9 putts per three putt, uh, holes per three putt. So from that, you can start to understand, okay, am I, am I above my peers at that handicap level for putting? Now, if you're a 10 handicap and you're above them in putting, you're most likely falling behind somewhere else. So you can start to look through the data and, and see every individual uh, stat and whether you're up or below your handicap benchmark. And you can change that benchmark. So what would I need to do if I wanted to be a five handicapper? We obviously mm-hmm. use strokes gained. Strokes gained is really exploded on, on the tour. Um, and so what we've managed to do is integrate the, the strokes gained through our database and again at the benchmarking. So as, as many of your listeners will know, strokes gained allows us to separate the performance of one shot from the rest of the whole and, un- and understand whether that was better or worse than average. And again, not only do we provide the numbers, and, and the core numbers can be confusing to a lot of golfers, but we'll provide the ability for you to see, okay, is that above or below my peer level? And so again, you're, being, you're able to move in and look at the different elements and the different segments of the game to see where am I not improving as well? You know, I, I don't care as much about where guys are, are playing really well. I want to look at where they're not competing against their level how can we improve that? Because that's that's where there's real gains to be made. You know, and I like some of the, you know, again, provide a lot of different information. One of the ones I really like, and again, this is beneficial not only for the player, but also for somebody like myself that, that gets access to this information from my student, is I like the the, you know, overview, if you will, of their approaches. So, for instance, you know, if they're, what's the percentage that they're missing it to the left? Are they missing it to the right more often? Um, so it tells me that they're still maybe slicing the ball a little bit more. Um, are they long, uh, you know, a high percentage of the time? Are they short? How many times are they hitting the greens in regulation? So, you know, again, that data tells me, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm on the website now, so I'm looking at it. I'll just give you an example. So in this particular screenshot that I'm looking at, it's showing that 44% of the time that this individual here that you're showing as an example is missing it to the right and 6% to the left. So, that tells me right there that they're more than likely either not lining up correctly, maybe they're slicing the ball a little bit or fading a little bit more, and they're not compensating. Um, 
Also, too, it shows here on the stats that they're 15% uh, short of, of the green uh, or uh, conversely 5% long. So, again, it's telling me that they're under clubbing 15% of the time. Um, but on the other hand, they're hitting 30% greens and regulation. So that's pretty good. So overall, it's not a, a terrible uh, bunch of statistics, but it gives me a general overview of how that player is playing uh, any given round. And for me, that gives me even a better idea of where I want to dial in um, when it comes to approaching the greens. So what areas we want to work on to make sure they're going to bump up that uh, greens and regulation percentage from 30 to maybe 45 or even 50%. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I mean, if you can improve greens and regulation by 10%, you're going to drop three yep. or four shots around, you know, as, right. as quickly as that. So, so again, I mean, one of the other great things you can do with that is you can take that graph and pull it down by 10-yard segments. So you can see, well, is it longer approach shots? Is it wedge shots that are mm-hmm. primarily short? Well, that, that could be a yep. technical issue. It could be a club issue. Um, mm-hmm. could be a shaft issue, um, could be a setup issue. And, and so it really just allows us to dial in. And, and, and as you say, it, it just it just strikes me that a lot of golfers are spending a lot of money on equipment, on lessons, mm-hmm. without having the data to sort of really maximize those opportunities to improve their game. You know, golfers are leaving a lot on the table when it comes to that. Yeah, that's a that's another pet peeve of mine as well as with the equipment and you know, God love the manufacturers. I love a lot of the equipment that comes out there, but I see this every year. Um, you know, uh, it's been a couple of years because of COVID, but um, I went to the 2019 PJ Merchandising Show, and you know, obviously some of the manufacturers there had uh, you know the latest and greatest. And you know, I'm looking at the cost of some of these new drivers coming out. You know, six hundred and fifty dollars and five hundred and you know, what, uh, so on and so forth. And I'm just thinking, you know, here we go again. And that's a real pet peeve for me because I look at it, that money could be better spent on some good quality lessons, number one, um, and uh, or maybe a nice piece of jewelry for your wife or something like that. You know, I, I just see these guys going out thinking they're going to buy their game um, with equipment. And you know, Lord only knows equipment certainly can help your game, but if you're not able to make good solid contact uh, with, with your driver, it doesn't matter whether you're playing a $100 driver, uh, a $600 driver, or something that you bought at a flea market, um, it, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, again, information that, that you guys are providing at ShotScope through your products gives them an idea of really where their game is. Maybe it's not their driving that's bad at all. Maybe it's their short game, or maybe it's their approaches to the greens. Um, it's going to help them dial in specifically where their weak areas are and gives me as a coach and as a teach professional, again, a better view of, of what it is that they really need to work on. And I can say, I mean, I've, I've seen guys come in with, with literally hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of brand new equipment each season, and they're lucky if they can break you know, 90 or 95. And I'm thinking, why? Why did you go out and spend that money? It was, it's a waste. But, you know, you, you, it's their money, and I guess they can do what they want. But I want to talk about, too, which is interesting, because this sort of differentiates you from, uh, obviously, some of the other players out there, is talk about the course mapping 
and a little bit about the support that you guys offer as well. Yeah, so obviously, um, well, back, back in the day when we were starting this course, we needed to get course maps. So we obviously we capture the point where you hit every shot, and then we overlay it on the map, and we need to know whether that's a fairway, a bunker, a green. And so we looked at – there's a couple of providers of that worldwide, and they were pretty expensive. Right. So we thought, you know, we're a startup company. We'll go build our own system. So we did, and, and that was really, really, really hard, and a lot harder than we thought. Um, and so what we now have is we have every course in the world, of which there's just over 37,000, and mm-hmm. we have them all mapped. So if you said to me, hey, Gavin, I'm going down to play at Doral, there's a brand new bunker on the 14th. Could you make sure it's added? I can log into the ShotScope mapping system, check it, have a look, add the bunker, click submit, and on the app, you'll get a notification to say, hey, we got an update for Doral. You download it through Bluetooth to the watch, and you've got the updated map. So what that looks like from a consumer standpoint is in 48 hours, we'll make a change to any golf course in the world. Um, and not only that, the minute our guys hit submit, it's available on your app to download to make sure you've got the latest course information. Um, other providers can be six months. So we understand that you need the correct information. We know that you'd be amazed how many golf clubs change stuff. <laughs> you know, even oh. even myself as, as a sort of seasoned golfer, I couldn't believe it when we started to understand courses that changed their front nine and their back nine to the opposite way, or they added a new bunker, or they changed the tee, they moved the green. It's incredible. Um, so we're, you know, we make about 250 course edits every week. So we're kind of always rolling, checking our courses, getting our, our data, our feedback from our users, updating them. Mm-hmm. So it's become mm-hmm. a real um, a real benefit for the company and our users, the course mapping system, and we take pride in it. On our support side, we have a team of six stationed um, in our head office in Edinburgh. And Mm -hmm. primarily, we interact with all our users via email. And the reason we do that is because um, we need to go and check. Generally, we need their email address to check their user account to make sure things are correct. So our average response time is 17 hours to an email coming in. Mm -hmm. We're we're obviously Mm -hmm. English speaking. We've got a little bit of time difference, but that's okay. Um, our users are phenomenal at telling us, hey, this hasn't worked out. I need this changed. Does this course, or, you know, right. have you got this right. course updated? What do you need? And and we're the guys do a fantastic job at making sure that all our users are happy. We sort any issues, whether it be shipping issues, delivery issues, we sort it quickly. Um, and to be honest, that again, we take a lot of pride in that, and and the, our customer team takes a lot of pride in that. And you know, we work hard to sort of get Trustpilot reviews or Facebook reviews, mainly because we we want to shout about our customer service. Right, and, and that's extremely important, especially in this day and age, because there's so much technology, you know, that's being 
put in the forefront. And, you know, you can have the best technology out there. I don't care who you are, but if you don't have a good uh, support system, customer service, or what have you, um, you know, your, your ship, as it were, can sink real quick. Um, so that's great to hear that you guys do that. And something else that I noticed when I was, you know, preparing for today's show and kind of surfing through your website is, pardon me, that you offer free updates and no subscription. Um, you know, a lot of products out there, you've got to subscribe to something, you've got to, in order to get this, so you get a basic version. And, uh, you know, if you, for X number of dollars a month, you get in this, and you get all updated to all the, the bells and whistles. Uh, you guys don't do that. You actually update uh, the information. It's free. And, uh, it, you know, as you guys put it, when, once you're part of the community, you get to benefit from the new features and updates that get released. And there's no hidden costs or subscriptions. So once you purchase the product, that's it. You just set everything up, and you're good to go, correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and updates take two forms. So updates can be new features on the watches, or mm-hmm. they can be app features, etc. So um, to give you an idea, in a week, I mean, these are exclusives. Nobody knows this. So um, in a week's right. time, we're releasing some new features on the app, which are um, social share, um, so that you can go and add photos. So if you were playing the old course and you wanted to put your date on top of a picture of you and your friends at the Spelkin Bridge, you could do that. Um, just before Black Friday, we've also got further benchmarking release on the app. So we're updating that app every two, three weeks and adding new features to it. And on the watch side, um, goodness, since launch on the V3, we've added a last shot counter, We've added um, a GPS acquisition feature. We've added, um, goodness me, a shot detection feature. And we just keep adding different little things that our users ask for. Um, these are free soft, free firmware upgrades. And like you say, you know, if, if a golfer bought our V3 the day it came out or a golfer buys one tomorrow, they're going to get the same product. They're going to benefit from all the additions that we come up with. Guys that provide us feedback say, hey, could you do this? For instance, we we got pretty big in Japan and they have a lot of breaks between their rounds, so we, we introduced a pause feature. It can be used to stop mm-hmm. between rounds, or, um, between front nine and back nine, or hey, I'm out to play some practice golf, I'm going to drop a second ball, I don't want to capture that data, I'll just pause the tracking. Our, our users mm-hmm. love it. You know, We're delighted because at the end of the day, our company is filled with golfers who play and they use the product. So they're coming up with ideas or, yeah, I like that feature, I'd use it. So ev- everything's free, there's no subscription. Once you buy right. the product, you, you've, you've got it for life. We want to take care of our guys. And, and for us, it's, you know, we're out there, like you say, we've captured a couple million uh, rounds of golf, over 140 million shots. That's just growing all the time, and it's important for right. us to sort of be viewed correctly with our customer support, our brand. We we want to succeed and be around for a, huge, a long, long time. We want to grow into one of the leaders in GPS and DMDs in the world, and, and we're on course to do that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm looking to just one other final comment I want to make about the, the equipment specifically. Um, you know, I'm looking at your rangefinder, your Pro L1, 
and I'm looking at the comparative features to a lot of your uh, competitors on the market, and you know I'm seeing a lot. In fact, all check marks on your uh, various different features from the slope technology, target lock vibration, uh, you know, six times zoom, all that sort of thing, replacement batteries, all that, and obviously tournament legal. Um, and you know, you're you're boasting an 875 yard uh, distance range, which is more than plenty. But what really stands out to me is you're offering as much, if not more, to all, virtually all of your competitors. Yet, what stands out is the price point. Um, you know, typically some of your higher end range uh, f- finders are, you know, four, five, even six hundred dollars. Um, and there's actually some features that you have that they don't have. So as a consumer, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're offering uh, the Pro L1. This is as of March of this year was about $170, uh, give or take. Um, that's a big difference. And from a consumer, uh, if I'm getting basically the same technology or more, why would I want to spend $500 as opposed to $170? Um, you know, it, it, it's a no-brainer. That's a big. That's a big discrepancy. And I know you're paying, and you know, for uh, some of these guys, you're paying because they're who they are and they've been in the business and so on for a while. But to me, as a consumer and as a golfer, uh, I'm looking at it: is is it doing what they say it's going to do? Is it performing? And if I can get it at a good price point, just like I mentioned earlier about the, uh, you know, equipment, um, if if I can't hit a $150 driver down the middle of the fairway, what makes me think that I'm going to hit a five, $600 driver down the middle of the fairway if I don't know how to put the club face on the ball correctly? So I want to make sure that if I'm going to spend money, regardless of what amount it is, that I'm getting value for that money and not just paying an, a, a bloated price uh, for basically the same features. Um, that's the way I look at it as a consumer. And I, I think you would probably agree with that. Yeah, I mean... Sometimes we get, hey, you're not you're not charging enough for some of this stuff, and and in reality, they're they're right. We we don't need to, and yeah, we don't we don't have to bump up. I mean, it's it's not that we're just a direct consumer brand. We're not. We're in Dick's Sporting Goods. We're in PJ Superstore. We're in Global Golf, we're in Budget Golf, we're in Golf Town in Canada, we're in retailers all around the world. But I'm as a golfer, I'm not going to go and spend 500 bucks on something that I can spend 200 bucks on and get effectively the same product. You know, that that's where I am. I'd I'd rather our users go and spend the 300 bucks and going for a nice dinner, going for a a vacation, a couple of nights away, playing some great golf courses. So, so really, it's it's born out of we don't need to charge that. That's just not what we're about. We're we're about bringing great technology that doesn't slow down the game, helps you improve, mm-hmm. and it's also mm-hmm. a reasonable price point. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important, especially you know we've got the holidays coming up, uh, you know, for folks, and this is the time that uh, you know maybe their spouse is thinking of okay, what can I get him or her for that matter, uh, as a great gift. And these are very well pointed. Uh, again, you know, range finder, you know, basically roughly around $170. That's well within most people's wheelhouse uh, for purchasing. It's a great gift. It's something that, 
you know, if they don't already have one they can use, or maybe one of the GPS watches, again, is a hot uh, tip, tip, ticket item as well. Um, and, and again, you know, ranging from uh, as little as, if, you know, if you get the, the uh, V2, which is, uh, we didn't really talk about that, but it's uh, more of a, uh, a, an earlier model, uh, you know, it ranges from about $99 up to 179 for uh, your more top-of-the-line V3. That's still well below uh, what I see competitively out there with some of the others. And again, it offers, uh, you know, many of the same, if not more features than many of your competitors. So I look at it again as a, from a consumer standpoint uh, and as a golfer, is it doing what I need it to do? Is it providing the information that, you know, I want it to provide? And is it affordable? And you hit really all three um, very nicely. So I think it's, it's going to make for a great gift for uh, a lot of golfers out there. And I just see your numbers, your numbers, uh, meaning number of users and number of uh, shots recorded uh, uh, going up uh, exponentially over the next several years as more and more people get uh, introduced to this technology. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you touched on the V2. Uh, V2 was an earlier model of our performance tracking. And again, to give you an idea how our community works, when we released the V3, we went and offered all the V2 users, here's an upgrade price. You're not going to pay full full rate. If you ever want right. to come and, and use this, v, take a V3, and it could be two years from now, you let us know it's there for you. We're, we don't want you to be sort of purchasing again at top at top price. Um, and right. we have, I think we've had 72% of V2 users upgrade to V3. So, you know, as, as you might imagine, we don't have new watches coming next year. I can tell you that for sure. Um, uh, but when we do release new watches, again, there's always offers. So we're always taking care of the guys that are using our product because they're the ones out there talking to other golfers, talking to their friends about how good our products are. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a, a nice additional perk to offer, uh, you know, your users because, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, buying a product. And we've seen this many times. You go out and you buy a laptop or you go out and you buy some other product, a, a new iPhone or what have you, only to find out next year they come up with an upgraded version and you've got to, you know, you've got to go out and, and either spend some ungodly price to get an update um, uh, you know, or a newer version. And unfortunately, there's some people that do. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a nice perk, um, which would certainly make, you know, the average consumer out there, golfer especially, that says, hey, that's a nice thing to have. If I buy this one this year and maybe in a couple of years they're going to come out with something new, I'm going to have the opportunity at a, at a greatly reduced price to be able to upgrade to that new system. Um, I'm already familiar with the product. I like it, and yeah, I want to take advantage of maybe some of the new technology that they've introduced in a couple of years, you know, two, three years, whatever the case may be. Um, that's a great feature to be able to, uh, uh, perk to, as I said, to offer uh, your users, and I think that's uh, um, uh, a smart business model to have in this day and age particularly. But um, yeah, I think that's great. Well, Gavin, I'd I just uh, give you give you an opportunity. Any closing thoughts? And, and we need to obviously uh, let the folks know the website that they can go to is uh, shotscope.com is the website shotscope.com. Uh, all of the products that we talked about uh, are there, and all of the information and more. Um, uh, obviously, we can't get to everything, but uh, it's all there. 
and uh, a lot of great um, uh, great information there for for your product. But Gavin, I want to thank you for for coming on. Is there any final thoughts that you want to share uh, with our audience? Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, if, if you're a serious golfer, avid golfer, check out performance tracking. If it, you know, there's several companies that do this, and and as much as I'm an advocate for shot scope, I'm, I'm an advocate for performance tracking, and I think um, regardless of whatever company you go with, you'll see the benefits from learning more about your game, and ultimately, that's what it's about. And and if if you know us talking about it can can help drive somebody towards performance tracking and looking at their data, then and I think that's uh, that's a fantastic reason to be on the show, and I appreciate your time. Not a problem. Uh, again, Gavin, I appreciate you calling uh, from across the pond, as they say, and joining me, uh, um, your case this evening and my case this afternoon here on Golf Talk Live. It's been a, a pleasure learning more about your products uh, and what you guys have to offer at ShotScope, and I think it was a good decision. Uh, you got your chops uh, very early in life playing uh, some competitive golf, and uh, I'm glad you didn't turn away completely uh, from the game and, and that you managed to stick around uh, a little bit longer and uh, become a, a part of the ShotScope team. I think it's a, a great company and a lot of great products, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for you guys. Uh, but you guys have, have definitely uh, uh, got some top-notch products out there and, and uh, again, very well-priced. But I appreciate you coming on and spending time with me uh, today on Golf Talk Live and much continued success. And I would look forward to having you uh, come on as maybe new products come out uh, come back on the show again, and we'll uh, we'll continue this conversation. No, I appreciate that, Ted, and and, and obviously we'll catch up at the PGA Show this year, uh, next year, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll see what else we've got coming out. I look forward to it. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, commercial director for ShotScope, Gavin Deer. Thank you, my friend, and uh, have a great evening. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. All right, that concludes a special Encore uh, presentation of Golf Talk Live. Uh, Again, with my special guest, Gavin Deere, uh, commercial director for ShotScope. Uh, Go to ShotScope.com. That's ShotScope.com. All of the uh, products that we discussed, as I mentioned, are on there. Uh, Again, very well. uh, uh, The price point is very, very uh, good. And and if you're a subscriber uh, to Golf Tips Magazine, uh, and you're part of our e-newsletter uh, group, uh, you will have received a special offer through one of the suppliers of ShotScope, GolfPal. Uh, you'll have received an email today uh, through a morning blast, and uh, there's some great offers to uh, through GolfPal, uh, one of the suppliers that you can purchase uh, some of the ShotScope uh, products. There's a little bit of a discount there involved. You can save yourself some money. So make sure you check out... Um, the, uh, your inbox, and if not, go to golftipsmag.com uh, and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, there's lots of great deals coming your way, plus our monthly newsletter, uh, so make sure you do that. And don't forget to subscribe to Golf Tips Mag um, if you haven't already. Also, you can give a gift subscription to somebody as well. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today, both to the print and or digital version of the magazine. Appreciate everybody joining me on the special Encore presentation of Golf Talk Live. I will be back next week with the regular scheduled show on Thursday evening from 6 to 8 Central. God bless everybody. And again, thanks for joining me uh, this week on Golf Talk Live.
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.